We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Hamm, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today on this lovely Thursday afternoon in the bright sun, Box 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm peachy. Uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And guess what I did today? I went to the zoo with the Montesabonis. What? what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not we, random we, and weird. We'll get to that later, but I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. Hey, that's a that's a good get there, Sean, except for Thanks, the buddy. zoo smells. Yeah. Huh. It, well, not today. Maybe it's because we were there early enough. Oh, it, it might uh, be because it's not so hot. That's Yeah. No, yeah. weather was phenomenal. Yeah, it was great. All right. All right. And, of course, we have Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well. I was going to ask Sean about Bottle Rock, but oh, now yes. I like, am asking if we can get a sneak peek at Domas's favorite animals. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can Here's... get to We have a long show to get to. We <laughs> can get to all thing. of it. Let's not bury the lead. Let's get right to the most important thing. Bottle Rock was amazing, as it always is. Um, you always say that, whether it is or not. But I did see uh, George Kittles up there lock, rocking out, right? George Kittle is out there doing the share impressions and uh, singing along with Quinn XCII. I I forget. He's I don't really listen to you him. You got it right, Brendan. Yeah, um, he's he's Never a little heard. new on my radar. Um, but yeah, that was Kittle. Kittle was there like all three days, I believe, or at least two of the three days, and he was. Uh, I, I'm he was absolutely in in heaven and he had all the access in the world so you know he's meeting keanu reeves he's uh jamming out with quinnex cii as i've learned and uh and then yeah and then he's up on stage doing the culinary events with um you know these these incredible um 
you know, chefs from all over the the world and uh, the great Roy Choi and David Chang and Giada Laurinaitis, or I think I said that right. Um, you know, they just all fly into Napa and uh, be a part of some great, great fun stuff. And yeah, I had a, I had a blast. I think as people ask me, what was my favorite uh, uh, like performance? And it's probably going to let some people down. And, and I think it's kind of a tie between like, Lupe Fiasco, who is just always my favorite, um, Wu Tang Clan, and uh, Duran Duran. So I'm a little all over the board, um, but even hey, Bastille, you're a all over the board. Yeah, even I hadn't seen Bastille before. I'm, I'm a fan of them. I only know a couple songs, but I thought they were I thought they were tremendous. But hmm. yeah, it always ends up being some of the maybe not the the, the peak headliners that end up being um, my favorite. So it was great. The, I got the a Lupe sun, clip, even though it was the Lupe clip yeah. she posted, got me a little bit. Not gonna lie. Um, like got you like like jealous yeah 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 that one and then the was Quinn. Really it's technically roman numerals for 92 but okay it's so a quinn yeah. 92 yeah there's hmm. a lot of uh, these people doing the uh the roman numerals like doesn't charlie xci and there's quinn like, yeah. whatever but you gotta figure know. out like this is actually the king's beat xx uh can't add another one i don't know we gotta figure it's, out the right roman numerals it's kind of like when smart. the kings the kings have like seven guys who are like the thirds right remember that like we had yeah. ben mclemore we had harry giles frank mason, frank mason. Yeah. like there were more there were more thirds yeah yeah it was, the most... oh, it, it was also weird yeah. that like it was the first time i'd have been to bottle rock and i never wore shorts like it was i was jeans all three days because the, the weather was a little on the cool side but i did get some you can't tell right now i look pasty in the video but uh yeah there was some little sun area on the sides of me and but it was it was a lot of fun i, I suggest everybody try it it's, it's a very eclectic festival with all types of music you'll have fun probably you have the whole time oh yeah yeah several different variations <laughs> yeah it was great did you save anybody like like uh no. you didn't like save no. keanu reeves it, that would be a great story if you saved john wick no john, but john i did john wick. i did ask um uh, i did ask domas who you know makes his main residence in napa these days if if because i'd asked him earlier in the season if he was going to go to bottle rock and he says oh yeah i'm looking forward to it blah, blah blah you know i think he wanted to see red hot chili peppers and then uh speaking to him after what i hung out with him today at the zoo and he said uh asked him, i was like oh, i didn't see a bottle rock did you go and he said he said no we could have gone sunday which is when the chili peppers were uh headlining and he says, ah, oh, the weather wasn't that good. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is wrong with you? The weather was great. Like, it wasn't like super sunny and like, you know, 90, 80 degrees. But I did look at him funny. Like, it, yeah, like it might have been a little cloudy and it might have got a little breezy. But the weather was phenomenal, my guy. Yeah, but like if he went with the wife, isn't the wife pregnant again? She's pregnant again. And yeah, they're, and he, you know, Tiger's 14 months old, his son. So that's uh, a little yeah, too young. Happened to bring boy he's 14 months is that crazy how fast time goes by he's getting he's getting he's got the nice vip treatment i think it would have been okay i don't know yeah he probably i don't know if he would have got up and sang like uh like kittle but no no, he didn't have to do that probably not thankfully all right uh well you are listening to the king's beat podcast where we just meander through a bunch of weird stuff um so if you're watching right now on YouTube, make sure to give us a thumbs up if you don't mind. 
don't give us two thumbs up because then it takes away the first thumbs up. It takes up. it away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, subscribe to you. the channel. I always picture some guy, I, I keep giving you thumbs up and it's just, you know, not like doing 47 thumbs up, but it's all one mm -hmm. guy trying to get the thumbs up to stay on there. Uh, I'm sure that's happened uh, more than once. Uh, let's see if uh, you are not a subscriber to the Kings beat, jump on board here, both the YouTube channel, but also go to the Kings beat.com uh, become a premium subscriber to the Kings beat.com. And I'm just going to set the date. We are doing the, the happy hour next Thursday. No question. Uh, 5.30, 7.30-ish. Uh, I'll announce a guest hopefully this weekend. I, I think I have a guest lined up. Um, it's going to be a really cool guest. Uh, I'm hoping I don't have sh to shift gears again, um, but that's kind of like life in this world right now uh, where people are kind of taking a break from basketball and getting away for a few minutes. Um, and then also uh, we have a secondary podcast coming out this week. I don't know if you listen to last week's two podcasts, but, uh, you know, the three of us had one podcast and then, uh, I sat down with Ricardo Brito Reyes from Portugal. And that was a great conversation about not only Nimi, but Sasha Vazenkov, uh, because he's sat there and covered EuroLeague basketball forever. And, and, you know, Sasha as well. Um, so this week, um, we did a second podcast with Mr. Jerry Reynolds, uh, the video is going to be a little funky. Uh, it's just a long story, but it, we had to switch to zoom for some stupid reason. And, um, so I don't know if I'm going to put the video out or just the audio file, but, uh, we have, uh, a, a nice conversation with Jerry talking about, um, building out the roster from here, uh, about his thoughts on Harrison Barnes, maybe coming off the bench, his thoughts on Keegan Murray and Sasha Vizenkov, some really good stuff in there from, from Jerry. Uh, so look for that probably on Friday or Saturday morning. Um, let's get to this. Uh, the NBA finals are starting tonight. Um, usually I don't do like tonight's and Thursdays and stuff like that, but too bad it already happened. Um, so Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat. Um, let's start with you, Brendan. Are you shocked that this is who we're seeing in the finals? And what are you most looking forward to? Uh, I'm definitely shocked about Miami's side. I, I think that, I mean, after the first couple games of their series, it it made sense, but they're not the typical eight seed. So going with the eight seed narrative uh, feels a little weird to me, but it is the reality of where they were placed. This was a team that was really close. I think they were down double digits in that second play-in game to Chicago, and then they came back and won that, and they very likely could have even not even been in this postseason. And now we're talking about them in the finals. Um, I think Denver is heavily favored for good reason, but it's obviously Miami's comfort zone to, to be the underdog. So I think it's an interesting dynamic and I'm admittedly curious to kind of watch the Jimmy Butler continued storyline of just playoff Jimmy and he's building up his, his legacy. And it's interesting to see how that continues to grow. And also just, the Nuggets play a beautiful brand of offensive basketball that I always enjoy watching the ball movement. They have all the different shot creation um, and the chess match that's going to come with two great coaches. Like I, I think it's going to be a, a fun series. And I guess one other thing I'm curious about is just like how much the viewership uh, just, I don't know if struggles is the right word, but how, how much lower it is because there's a lot of talk around that. They're like, Oh, this isn't going to be as interesting. Not as many people are going to tune in, not your stereotypical big names. 
So I'm, I'm curious what those numbers look like. I still think it's going to be great basketball, but I'm curious. Hmm. Uh, Sean, you were able to catch up with Gabe Vincent, who was like a superstar in the Eastern Conference Finals. Just how was how is uh, Gabe doing, and and what was your takeaway from that conversation? Yeah, it was great. Um, yesterday being media day, it's it, it, you really kind of wonder for the Heat a little bit because they come out of that series going seven games. You know, they almost piss it away, and then you know they stay in Boston and have to have to fly straight to Denver. Uh, you know, fly straight to Denver, uh, have your media day, and then here we are, game one of the finals. So they're the ones that I think didn't get either the blessing or the curse of having a long layoff. And for somebody like Gabe, that could have been a little advantageous, uh, even for the Heat in general. I mean, Gabe obviously turned his ankle in game four, missed game five, uh, plays in game six and game seven with a bad ankle. Um, says he's fine. He's in the play. He's in the NBA finals. Looking forward to it. Um, but then like you have Tyler hero, who's trying to inch his way back and you've got other guys on that team that are just all banged up. So, but there is something to be said about teams that get to play every other day and have that kind of rhythm to their schedule. And, and that's where I think, and I think he would agree that they have succeeded, uh, having the blessing of just kind of that repetition and, and not having a, um, a, a schedule where things kind of get away from you, but it was good to catch up with him. I did so for people who are hearing his name for the first time and not familiar. He's you know born in Modesto, um, went to Modesto Christian High School for one year as a freshman, then jumped over into Stockton where he went to St. Mary's High School. Um, it, it was with the with the Rams, and I even went down after speaking with Gabe yesterday to talk to his old high school coach, Ken green and talk about how, you know, his demeanor, his unselfishness, um, the player that he is today is a lot like what he was even at the high school level and guys like that, uh, just being a steady force where he says, yeah, he was easily the most talented kid, but he's a coach's dream. Cause you don't have to coach him. Like he's, he's so good for everybody else makes everyone better. Um, if you need him to go play a certain role, he can do that. And, catching up with him it's like he's played he's he's experienced the nba finals before granted it was during the bubble but he never played you know and so that's one of the cool things about his journey is is here he is in his second nba finals experience on a team where kyle lowry is on your roster and he's your starting point guard gabe is and he's gonna be able to play that role and you just look at his journey as i mentioned going from stockton he was with the stockton kings was in the kings organization briefly everyone remembers that that photo with where he was signing with his exhibit 10 with Lottie Divots and goes to the Stockton Kings and then gets plucked by Miami. And he's been there ever since and really worked his way. And he fits that kind of cast of characters where it's the, the unwanted, the overachievers and the, in the, you know, Island of misfit toys. Totally, yeah. totally. And he fits that role and, and he's, you know, Spolstra and, and really you mentioned Jimmy Butler, Brendan. I mean, Jimmy Butler is in my opinion, the guy that, gives him life uh, not only on this team but just where he has found his 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 comfort level his voice um that's me as is is someone who knows him i don't know that he completely agrees with it but they are very very close and what's cool to me is aside from him being in the nba finals and being able to play for a championship and 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 know that the, the the path he's taken to get here and have to fight for everything and uh now he gets to go and after this, whether he's a champion or not, he's going to enter the offseason as an unrestricted free agent. He'll be able to control his own destiny for the first time in his NBA career, and I think that's that's really exciting. But it, it's a fun conversation, 
Um, and uh, it, we had to do it in a kind of truncated amount of time. But if you get a chance to see it, check it out. Cool. Make yeah, maybe I'll. Money. Yeah, he's going to make that? some money. He's going to make some oh, yeah. money. I think oh, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to get. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get paid, paid, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets $8 million a year. Maybe a little bit more. I mean, there. Oh, yeah. Have you peaked at like who comes off the like Kevin Kevin Love twenty seven million comes off the books. Oh, yeah. They've got a couple, you know, Udonis Haslam who makes more than Gabe Vincent. <laughs> you know, like, Haslam is what forty years old and really hasn't played and is entering the twilight. He's entering his retirement. In seven years, eight years, he hasn't played. Sean. <laughs> right, and and he's making more than Gabe, who's their, you know ended up being their starting point guard. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of the every man story you know the self-made the self-made nba player I, I love those stories and that's the reason why i keep saying that miami has a, a chance against anybody because they seem to have like a whole bunch of those stories on their roster they just they're really good at finding the diamond in the rough and polishing it and and making it into a really nice nba player and then getting it that player paid that's what they've done for years now that's why i, I consider eric spolstra and Eric Spolster and his staff and his system, like the best, like the best of the best. I think he's probably the best coach in the NBA right now. Um, and he does more with less than anyone that I've ever seen. He just creates NBA players, which you just don't see very often. It's really cool to see. Um, but that, uh, like, if we might as well do it now, like, what, what's your prediction, though, for the series? I'll, I'll start. Because uh, you guys, sometimes I, I forget to give my input and then you guys get on me at the end. Um, I still, like whether Miami's <laughs> a good story or not, I got I got Denver in probably going to say six, but I, I want to say Denver in five. Uh, I just think that they're a really, really, really good team that has been completely overlooked by everybody. And we're just ignoring the fact that this is probably it was probably the best team in the NBA all season. And we just ignored it and looked past them. So Denver and six, that's my guess. Go ahead, Brandon. I got the same, actually. I think Denver and six. Um, I think that Denver wins one of the, one of the first two games in Miami. So game three or four, and then just doesn't lose a home game. They haven't lost a home game. Um, this playoffs. I know that Miami's won an away game in every series, but I think what it comes down to is I just don't know that Miami's going to be able to keep up offensively. I think that Denver's offense is ridiculous and Miami will fight like hell, like they always do. And as much as like Jimmy is extremely crucial to Miami, I think it's about those role players having big games. And I don't know that it can happen often enough to, to keep up with Denver. Hmm. I, really am disgusted that I have to agree that with it, we're just going to be uninteresting and say Denver, all of us in six. Wow. Uh, and, and, and here's, here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Like you mentioned like, Oh yeah, no one gives Denver their due. And look, Michael Malone keeps ringing that bell uh, almost, at, almost in a nauseating way, but it kind of, it really works for them in this postseason. I think if he's going to, you know, why why quit while you're ahead like keep if you're going to be asked about Jokic all the time and you're going to be asked about the success of your guys and uh jamal murray and people who maybe have lost belief in him it's like i guess and even you know even michael porter jr and and aaron gordon who's who's had you know a career year uh if you're going to 
keep being asked about them, I guess it's hard to not bring that type of stuff up when really no one gives you their credit. But on the flip side of that, uh, you were the number one team in the West. Uh, you know, I'd push back slightly. I don't think you were the best team in the league, but uh, you, you were in the conversation. You're easily in the top five, in my opinion. And you're, I thought just everything was in the East. I thought all the, all the talent this year was in the East. And I think that showed in the win loss record, but um while no one's given Denver their due, nobody gives Miami their due. So it's it's a matchup of just the most disrespected teams that are good, in my opinion, of two of them. And so while here we are siding with Denver because they're number one in the West and they have the beautiful offense and they've got the most talented player. Uh, and, you know, you look at matchups and go, yeah, you know, Jimmy Butler, playoff Jimmy is, is great, but they got a guy named Aaron Gordon over there and they've got some other guys that could maybe put some clamps on them. And, and they do what they do to, to Boston, who we did at least myself, I thought Boston would win the series. And then all of a sudden Boston storms back and everyone's thinking that maybe the Miami heater on the ropes. And uh, granted it's a little tip in by Derek white that really made them kind of pucker as they went back to Boston. But the thing that Miami does so well, guys is win on the road and they can, and, and, and they've shown that ability to do so. So while I am, I am expecting Denver to kind of take care of business and, and do it in six. And, and I think Denver will be the more raucous environment. If you look at the, you know, if you're comparing home court advantages and in, in the two arenas, I mean, Denver has never been there before, never been to the finals. Miami knows what the finals look like. Um, granted one time it was in the bubble, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm I'm expecting Denver to to take care of business, but there's that there's that little there's that that doubt again that goes with the Miami Heat not giving them their due, and uh, I I would not be surprised to see Miami come in and, and take care of business, and if they do, I believe it will be because it's a long series. I think it will go seven games, and if it goes seven games, I like Miami if it goes seven games, but I think Denver will take care of business. I think they'll do it in six. I like the more rested team. Like I know like lose getting out of rhythm and all that stuff. That's, that's right. certainly a concern, but that's a concern for like game one. Once you get right. past game one, like one team had just a week to heal up and get ready. And the other team did not. And so I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun series. I'm going to, I'm going to watch like, I, I know what Brennan is talking about when it comes to like their concern that maybe this won't have the draw. Who cares? Who cares well, but, what you know city what? they're from? And part of the storylines, and I know some of these, some of the players, you know, the uh, Morris notwithstanding, and the, the, the every time these guys play, it gets chippy. I mean, it gets a little. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff there. I mean, the Kyle Lowry thing, uh, Jim, Jimmy Butler's always got something going on. The Nikola Jokic thing with Morris. Uh, there's, there's a lot of these things have happened in years past. And look. Miami also they lost both those games against Denver, but they were closely contested during the regular season. So um, I'm I'm I think it will be entertaining, and I and and I was surprised to hear Brennan bring up the ratings because like I don't give a damn, but I think this is going to be a very entertaining series. I think so too. I think it's going to be a highly watched series as well. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, Jordy Fernandez is still in the running for the Toronto Raptors job. Um, according to Mark Stein, like he's a, he's a favorite. Uh, according to our friend uh, Damian Barling, he's hearing that 
they very much like him and that he's like right there in the in the running. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on Jordy Fernandez potentially going to Toronto and sort of the the ripple effect that it'll have with the Kings, especially on the heels of this crazy, crazy contract that uh, the Detroit uh, Pistons signed with Monty Williams? I believe it was four years, 78 with um, incentives in there that have another year option and could take it up to a hundred million, which is a number that I've never heard of for a coach. Obviously sounds like um, some buddy healed numbers up in here. Pretty crazy. <laughs> um, I, I think one of the fun aspects for me with the Jordy and it being Toronto is just the fact that that's where he got his first NBA win as a head coach, because it's where Mike Brown was, ejected and then Jordy filled in got the win they had a cool moment in the locker room that they posted to socials um so it doesn't really matter but that's kind of cool to me and I, I think that I'm glad to see Jordy getting this sort of recognition uh, Mike Brown speaks exp- extremely highly of him stuff we kind of talked about in the last one um but it would obviously leave a void in, in Sacramento's staff and you got to kind of try to figure out what that is the label defensive coordinator. There are those labels, right? Like Luke or um, Triano offensive coordinator and yeah, Jordy's defensive coordinator, right? Those are still like yeah. applied labels. So they would need to go fill a defensive coordinator, which is right there second in line. And it, that would leave a void, but uh, Mike Brown is very clearly well liked around the league. And I know that alone won't draw guys, but I do think it helps. Oh, he's got a he's got a, a huge network Rolodex. of guys. That, yeah. yeah, he can. And you know, I, I'm I'm to be honest, I'm hoping Jordy gets it. You know, I mean, selfishly, it'd be nice to see him back in Sacramento. But I know for him, uh, I think that's that's a that's a that's you, you know, I thought like something like Detroit, obviously being a team of up and comers, um, you you should be paid compensated very very well because that team's going to need continuity to do what what they do uh i was i i am surprised uh, that that monty williams is getting the money that he got but the thing that stands out to me with with just the money that's being thrown around in this league coaches should get paid more i I mean they should i mean if you if you're relying so much on your coach and i remember in the old uh you know, early 2000 days. And, and um, there was a, there was a part of me that, that really thought that coaching, uh, especially head coaching had a little bit of overrated syndrome or label that could be attached in in the NBA because uh, teams aren't like the Miami heats. They're not like the Eric Spolstra's that have these, um, these systems and, and where guys, come in and it becomes a system game it was just a talent it's and it still is for the most part a talent driven league but now i think you're seeing more and more structure uh across the board in the nba and i think coaching matters a little bit more in a league where um let's face it like you're gonna have in-season tournament coming up you're you've got three months of 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 playoff basketball you have uh, so many games you have uh, rosters that are that are inflated with contracts and uh, hopefully it does trickle over to those coaches now so I, I like to see it um, for Jordy I, I hope he gets the job I really do uh, I think I think he would um, I think he would flourish I think Toronto would be a great great scenario for him uh, but that being said um, should he leave that'd be great um, 
for the Kings, they can go out and they can still find somebody to to add to their roster. It's an exciting uh, opening that they can build and hopefully look to improve themselves. Um, you, you know, find another voice. Uh, Jordy's very well liked, and this coaching community is very very. Uh, they stick together, so they're going to cheer themselves on and, and hope that he does well. And, uh, and look, Mike Brown's probably going to do everything he can to get Jordy that job in, in Toronto if he's, if he's asked for recommendations and things like that. But um, I know Kings fans, for as good as he is, they'd like to see him come back, and so would the Kings. But first and foremost, taking care of Jordy Fernandez and getting him into a, a head coaching role is, is, first and, is the priority. Yeah, I mean, I think if we look around the league and sort of the jobs that were available this summer – there's like two really bad stinkers and then like four incredible jobs and then the Raptors job. And so I, I kind of put it in like a different category because if you look at the Houston and Detroit jobs, like taking those jobs is just, there's a good chance that you won't see the end of your contract. Like they have too much young talent. It's way too difficult to win in this league with, with young talent like that. I think that's why coaching means so much now, Sean, you brought up how, coaches used to be like maybe a little overrated. Um, and now I think coaches mean a lot because you have to set the culture of your club because a lot of your players are way, way younger than they were in the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. And so you're dealing with a much younger, you know, group of people and what comes with that. Um, but I think, you know, again, I, I don't know that Jordy, how successful he would be with like the Phoenix job or the Philly job or, you know, the, or the Bucks job, these jobs that have so much expectation for a guy who does not have head coaching experience, the Toronto job, you, you know, you're talking about a team that's like a bubble playoff team, but has talent and has some, you know, sure. They have some issues this summer when it comes to free agency and Fred Van Bleed and like whether they're going to make moves with Siakam or, or OG Ananobi. Um, but overall they still have a good talent level. They have a great fan base uh, and you know, it's a beautiful city and I, I think it's a good job. It's, it's a middle of the road job, which again, I think it's kind of perfect for a first time head coach. Cause a lot of times you're going to fail in these jobs, especially if the job is too big or the job is too small. So this job just kind of feels just right. If that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's good. And I don't know, like, uh, Luke Laux is going to coach the summer league team. We all know that, uh, that's a big deal. And I think he's probably the guy who gets to step up to the front front of the uh, bench role. Um, not that he would take Jordy's spot, but that he would like take a step up. And I think it leaves open potential for other guys on that on that staff to move up again and maybe take that role that that Jordy had this last year. Even a guy like potentially Doug uh, could maybe find his way moving up the bench and and finding himself in a more substantial role on Mike Brown's staff. Uh, and that's before they go out and they start chasing people and start bringing new faces in. Um, there was, a, go there ahead. was a time earlier this year where I think Mike Brown, did Mike Brown get sick for a game or two? And then Jordan yeah, coached against Denver. Um, and Luke Lauks was the one that moved to the front of the bench from the guys that were in the back. Um, yeah, right. But I, I'm curious if, if you guys have perspective on this, how often when top assistants go get head coaching jobs, do they take any other members of the coaching staff they were just on with? It, it can happen. Yeah, it can very much happen, mm -hmm. especially, you know, you're in the off season and um, you know, if like if Jordy wanted to pluck someone like Luke Lauks, um, 
if you pay him and give him a, a bigger role or like an associate head coach title, whatever, um, it's possible. But I think that's, you, you know, that's part of the interview process is, hey, Jordy, who's coming with you? And I think Jordy, when when he goes interviews with teams, knows what a good a significant portion of his people would be. Maybe not all five or six or whatever his staff in, in the immediate, but, but at least the top three that would that would likely come with him. Um, so they've kind of got that mapped out. I I wouldn't expect it necessarily though. Uh, I think there could be some possibilities that exist uh, outside of that. But just to see him, um, even if he's a finalist, you know, for for Toronto with all the names that are available, I mean, that's, that's impressive. Um, I, I, I said a few weeks back that I thought that, you know, he, that he, that he probably wouldn't get to get any gigs because, but to be in the interview stage and process and go through all of this and be considered and get your name out there um, so that you're hopefully capable of landing something in the next year or two, three year down the road, uh, it would be, it would be just so valuable. And I do want to clear up one thing that Brendan mentioned, just in case, someone's listening and they and they don't know it is a kind of a real shitty stat but yeah Jordy was in Toronto and and he gets the win and when he fills in for Mike Brown when he leads the team to victory as a head coach those wins still go to Mike Brown and so um I know what you're saying Brennan because yeah it is like he gets to experience the win as being the head coach um but I just want just for the knickknack you know for nerd knicks out there want to make sure yeah they they his he still has a zero zero so when he goes and becomes a head coach somewhere else and 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 leads his team to victory that will be his official first NBA win even when Luke Walton won 39 games with the Warriors or whatever 39 and three or whatever they were something ridiculous (laughs) those those don't go on his win-loss record gotcha there's no uh no win padding they're going stat yeah, padding going enough. on with their stuff. Um, yeah, it, it always does go to the head coach as long as you're on an interim basis. Well, I guess if you're the interim, uh, as opposed to stepping in and filling in for somebody, correct? Yeah, your, your, your head coach is still technically within the organization. Yeah, that's, so that's where so you get it. Poor Tyrone Corbin, he owns that seven and 21 record with the Sacramento yeah. Kings, uh, that 0.25 win percentage. Uh, but that, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, it's just that little burst right there in the middle. Just sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> basketball hill happened right here. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's get to the other thing. We talked about Luke Logs is going to coach the summer league team. That, that of course, uh, begins with California Classic, uh, July 3rd and July 5th at Golden One Center. Um I was reporting this last week uh, that my I had heard rumors that uh, the Spurs and Hornets would be included. That ended up being correct. Uh, I had a, my source was good, but I always like to have a secondary source. That's why it was it was more of a rumor than it was like guaranteed. Um, but uh, the number one and number two overall picks in the draft could be in Sacramento for the California Classic. Whether they play or not is a whole nother situation uh, with Victor Wimbanyama and uh, either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller probably going number two. Uh, but still, it adds intrigue. It adds fun. Even if uh, Wimbanyama is just in the building, that would be kind of cool. And so I think uh, it's a boon for Sacramento. The California Classic is back at Golden One after a year at Chase Center. Uh, yeah, uh, let's just start with, uh, Brennan again. Like, what do you think, what are your thoughts on the Cal classic and 
um, that's going to be really cool leading up to summer league. I love summer league basketball um, and getting more teams in golden one center is, is great. I'm glad to see Sacramento hosting it again. Um, even if women Yama doesn't play, which, you know, I, I'd be surprised. I feel like Vegas is usually the main show, um, but they have a game lined up on the first day, July 3rd. The second game is the Spurs versus the Hornets. And if both guys are playing, I mean, that could be uh, a pretty fun moment, not betting on it. But even if not, you know, um, I, I think that seeing draft picks is is fun. These up and coming guys, some guys will probably still be on the team from Sacramento's perspective. You'll get to see maybe some growth from Keon Ellis um, and these other teams have decent draft picks as well. Maybe made it further, but the Lakers have 17th pick. It's pretty funny. Miami's in the finals. They have the 18th pick. Um, mm, but there's, crazy. there's always intriguing uh, guys that I think show a lot. You know, I think the first Cal classic, like I remember seeing Bam Adebayo playing point guard the entire time. And that's a flash into the playmaking jump that he's eventually able to make. So I, I love uh, summer league basketball and uh, I'm glad it's back in Sacramento and bringing two more teams, especially when their top two picks is nothing but a great thing. Omer, you're yeah. seven dominated. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this was kind of a, um, not a, not, it wasn't much of a secret, <laughs> um, but the, I think they were, they were going to try to make this a three day event at, at some point, but it ends up being the two nevertheless and uh it's normally three yeah i'm surprised especially when you add the teams um uh i'm i you know i i think it's going to be something where i look i don't think victor plays victor womanyama plays um i i I do think he will be in the building i do think he'll be with the summer league team uh as much as he can before he has to go back to europe and get ready for all of the off-season FIBA stuff and all the you know just all those uh get his life together to, to be able to come over to the, to the u.s as well um but there are a bunch of interesting teams and i think sacramento is the rightful place look these there's more to do in san francisco and la um and neither team seems to really want the california classic and that was by virtue of the the warriors coming off of the nba finals last year uh and then weeks later diving right into the California classic and that building sat empty for that, that, that day during the week, which was, was all by design, but it was really unfortunate because in Sacramento, they would have not filled it out, but they would have had a very good crowd on hand to, to probably see even a third day of, of California classic. So uh, I'm glad it's back in Sacramento. I don't think it should really leave. Um, And I think the, the organization uh, does a really good job. I mean, they, they, they really do. And, and to be able to add the other teams, they do a really good job of, of, uh, of, of seeing that through. Usually some, usually there's been concerts in the plaza at, at certain points, people get excited for it. I, I was telling one of their people today um, that I honestly feel like the Kings could become a dynasty like the Warriors and still California classic would still be well attended in Sacramento because you don't really have a whole lot that you're competing with in terms of having to, to bring people to your, to draw people into your building in July for basketball. So, uh, and it's a, and it's more affordable, you know, it's not like a, a typical, um, 
you know, King's ticket for a lot of people. So I used to joke that, you know, summer league and even the WNBA when the, when Sacramento was uh, fortunate and lucky enough to have a franchise that, that this, this creates a lot of opportunity for folks that ordinarily can't come to the Kings as often as they would like to. Um, and uh, for that reason alone, um, it, it, it's such a, it's such a great event. And uh, I'm glad it's back in Sacramento. It's got a lot of interesting uh, things there. I'm really more con- I'm actually more intrigued with the the Hornets being in town because uh, there could be, you know, where they sit in the draft. Everyone knows that Wembenyama is is going to be in is going to be at San Antonio, and uh, here they are with with the number two pick, and and boy, that could be really interesting. And I think that number two pick will play when he's in Sacramento. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. It, it's going to be a you know, it's a good time, and and it's a really family oriented event. Um, I think it'll be sold out, which will be crazy, but I think like you buy a ticket and it's for the whole day or you can buy a pass for the, for both days and you get all eight games. I mean, it is like a, it's a fun kind of like going to the NCAA tournament, except for, I I think that it's just Sacramento Kings fans for the most part. There's some Warriors fans that come up, um, but really does depend on like who they draft, who the Kings draft, all that stuff. Uh, and then, of course, next year, like you talked about, Sean, like this should stay in Sacramento. The Kings probably don't have a first round pick in 2024. And so I, I don't know that that really plays into the conversation all that much because you're not that concerned about it. Um, but it does. You know, you do want to highlight some of these young guys and give them the first taste of the NBA and and sort of get them ready for Las Vegas. I think it's a low key, super fun, laid back atmosphere that the players tend to really like before they head off to Vegas for, for another week of, and that's a little more intense and the weather's always like, I mean, it's so hot in Vegas. It's so hot. Well, it's, it's no, it's not, it's not, you know, the coolest situation in Sacramento in July, but you know, it'll be hundred degrees or more. So, but not 120 Sean, like where you, <laughs> you, you almost need a Sherpa to get you from your car to inside the Tom and Thomas and Max Center, oh, someone needs gosh. to carry you. Like we're gonna need some uh, some gurneys out here to make sure people make it from the parking lot. Brendan, you got to look. I know I'm good. You like it? I don't love it. No, but it's I so I do very much enjoy being there. But I don't love the weather. Um, question yeah. for you guys about the roster, summer league roster. Third year guys will play sometimes, right? Guys Not- going into year three. Not I'm thinking typically. of Escada and Kessler Edwards guys, both in summer league last year. But they they, they can they can ask them, but it's it's very it's pretty rare to be honest. Um, sometimes you'll have a, a year three guy, uh, maybe around the team to work out with the team, um, but I I don't think Namias Keda needs to play at all. Um, I think he's shown enough from being on two uh, summer league rosters playing in the G league, the being all G league team dominating uh, the G league. I, I, yeah. I, I think he's, he's shown enough. It's not necessarily, but you might have him around your team and working out with them, but he's also a restricted free agent. So uh, that part can get a little funny um, with someone like Kessler Edwards. Um, you might, you might request it. You might ask him to do it. Um, and, and maybe he does it for California classic and then, doesn't participate in Vegas, something like that. So, or um, like two I, days of Vegas. Yeah. There's sometimes they do that where guys participate for a couple of days and then, and then are gone. And, and you'll also see Keegan does that. 
Or is it more of like what we saw with no. Davion last year? Oh no. Keegan Keegan had a no ton shot. of minutes. Yeah, a lot of minutes. Yep. So he's he's fine. Those guys, um, again, they may ask him to 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 work out with the team and be around the team, but no, not not that that won't happen. I will say this too for you know there are changes that happen to the rosters sometimes. So it's possible to have a roster in Sacramento for the California classic for any of those teams that by the time that they shift to Vegas have a couple different players that were added and some that were replaced. So um, that's always something to, to watch out for as well. Yeah. We've even seen the roster for the California classic like show up and it's missing players. And we're like, huh, that's weird. We had heard this guy and this guy and this guy were going to be on the King summer league roster. And then you get to Vegas and there they are. They're, they're just skipping the Cal classics. So uh, either way, I think it's a really fun event. And I think people like, if you love basketball, it's well worth it. Just like it's well worth it to go to Vegas once or twice for summer league. It's a lot of fun. Um, just for me, like it got old. Like, I don't know, Sean, you still like to go. I know Brennan likes to go. It's like really, really tight. Like the media seating, there isn't a lot of it. It's to me, it's a little over the top and I don't love going to Vegas for summer league. And it just, you just end up like out every night, like, like crazy. And it's, yeah, it's not yeah, my... for, for me. It's what I like to call a necessary evil. Like, yeah. Brennan, I know you're a, you're probably you're, you're such a hoops junkie. Um, you can find enjoyment in watching a lot of bad basketball. I don't. <laughs> um, it's bad. I, I've I've seen so much bad basketball in the past twenty years that it just you know I, I can some of it. There, I can hone in and I can lock in on a certain thing I want to see or a matchup or or whatever. But it has nothing typically to do with. It, it always has something to do with an individual or a how does this person play with that person? But to me, it's the, it's the necessary evil of knowing where the league is. Uh, you have the entire NBA in Vegas and, uh, you're, and, and it's just, it becomes the hub of everything going on. So um, yeah, it's, it's again, necessary evil for sure. Yeah. And I think we're going to have an interesting uh, summer here that's starting up like really quickly because the Kings have the 24th pick and upcoming draft. What is it? June 22nd. And we're, we're three weeks away from the NBA draft. They also have the 38th pick and the 54th pick. Right. Um, so, so yeah. things are starting to heat up. Um, we're done with the combine. All the measurements are in. We're seeing a lot of that stuff filter through. Um, but now we're getting to the phase where the Kings are bringing in uh, groups of six prospects. We don't know all that's coming through to be honest, like a lot of this is like second round pick stuff. Um, and the Kings do a lot of their homework and, and keep everything in house at this point. It's uh, very tight lipped. Uh, we do know that, uh, that Sheboy has come through. Um, Jalen Wilson, uh, Julian Phillips, Dylan Mitchell, Dylan Mitchell did go back to Texas. So he's off the board. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, which uh, is Dale Davis's son and quietly becoming one of my favorite prospects. Uh, I like Omax. Uh, what is it? Olivier Maxence Prosper? He's one of the guys that's standing out to me early in the process. Um, but uh, what do you guys think? Uh, of the players that we're seeing coming through, it's, it's pretty basic. Um, like every single one of them is built exactly like Mo Harkless. Like, except except for Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, they literally are looking for 
six foot eight guys with seven foot one wingspans that can jump uh, and that can block shots and hopefully hit a three point shot. Although most of these guys can't hit a three point shot for some reason. Um, they're, they're all D and no three, a lot of these guys, but, uh, is there anything that stands out to you guys early on in the, in the draft prospect, uh, process of the prospects that we're actually hearing about at this point? I mean, we're not getting too many names. I agree with you about the, uh, Mo Harkless. I accept that my, uh, mind it was Casey Akpala, but it's you yeah, know practically same the same thing. Uh, same yeah, exact there's, there's a lot of guys I'm watching where like this is interesting. You know, if I'm like, ah, oh, but I don't know, he might be Casey Akpala. Um and <laughs> there's there's just question marks. And that's uh, it's not meant to be a shot of Casey Akpala. I really no it's not Akpala. but when you're doing like like his low his his floor right. is Casey Akpala his ceiling is Mo Harkless. Like right. half of the guys you're like okay go ahead. Yeah I mean I think my big question at 24 is like does their draft philosophy change because they're later in the draft? You know, like we very clearly, this team likes to take guys that you already know what they are. You know that they're productive um, and we've seen that, but that's all with lottery guys, but we're talking 12, nine and four. Um, so I, I think that when you're sitting at 24, does that philosophy change? Are you willing to look at a, um, you know, a Koulibaly, which apparently somebody's, uh, Wasserman, I think, was saying today that he might have a promise in the lottery, but like Gigi Jackson, I think, are you willing to take those type of swings or or do you play it um, a, a little bit safer? And that's a question to me here that I, I lean towards playing safer. I think that that's what we've seen from this uh, front office. But again, I don't know if that's that's any different at 24. There's a lot of wing options, though, whether you want to go safer or if you want to go with more of a hypothetical production now guy yeah and i also think that like in this particular draft you look at like 15 to like 40 and there really isn't a consensus yet like if if you decide to take a guy that some draft boards have at like 38 at 24 like who cares like that doesn't matter um so i, I think this draft is a little more open on that back end where you can like take a stretch for again like olivia max uh maxim uh, Prosper or uh, even, you know, Trace Maxence, Jackson. Maxence. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 Omax, right? Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, Sean, what are your thoughts? Do you draft differently? No, no. It's always going to be best case, best uh, player available. Someone that you, um, whoever you desire the most, you, you know, you're, these mock drafts, I mean, people, I know they spend a lot of time and they're looking at all these boards and stuff. They don't mean a damn thing. Nope. It, it, it's a shotgun spray where they just, let's throw these names up here. Here's the top uh, 50 ranked guys that are, that are draft eligible and let's sort them out and see where they might best fit. Um, so there's a little bit of a science to it. There's not a whole lot of uh, intel necessarily that go into it, especially, especially early on. Um, the closer you get to the draft, some of that intel becomes a little bit greater. I feel. Um, I think right now you're very much in a uh, just just a holding pattern, and you're trying to make sense of what visits, who's going where, who met with who, who's going for second visits, who's going to agency workouts, which have basically all completed by now. Um, you've got your players who dip their toe in the NBA and have now uh, decided to. They've now hit the deadline of jumping back and withdrawing their names for the NBA. So now your pool shrinks dramatically and hundred players dropped off today. 
Yeah. As we two of them from Sacramento, by the way, uh, Jordan Brown, who's who's a former All American from Roseville, who played at Prolific Prep. Uh, he in Napa. He he's now going back to Louisiana, which was his third college because he went from Nevada Reno to Arizona to his uh, dad's alma mater with the Raging Cajuns of of Louisiana. So uh, he'll go back for his. He's got one year of eligibility left. So does Coleman Hawkins, a guy who came in and worked out for the Warriors. Um, but also a prolific prep kid from Antelope, who who was a Antelope Titan briefly. Um, so two Sacramento guys who who dipped their toe in the water, and then you got you know draft eligible guys like Zach Chapel, who worked out with the Kings and Sacramento State player Capital Christian. Um, these are great because somebody like him will need to latch on with a summer league team. It's not like he's gonna. It would be very it would be very shocking if you were to get drafted. Uh, especially in a year where you've got two forfeited picks in the second round. So mm-hmm. uh, it makes it even tougher for guys, you know, to, to, to be drafted this year. So um, summer league will be so, where, to be where his bread will be buttered. And that's, you know, the Gabe Vincent route, you know, go undrafted and try and make a, make a home. Um, but no, I mean, in terms of the Kings, like I, to me, you just the, the team will do their own draft board and you get down to 24 and you look who the highest guy you had rated and still available you take him. There might be a little conversation that's to be had. I don't, I don't sign off to the theory that just because they took somebody like Davion Mitchell uh, two years ago and, and, and uh, you're with, with Murray, this Keegan Murray, this past year of guys that are a little bit more experienced um, that, that, that they're going to do the same thing at 24. I, I don't buy into that. I think there's a, there's a, a, a likability of players that are a little bit longer in the tooth that, have some seasoning to them that you don't have to totally spend a lot of time developing for sure. But um, if you've got a guy that shows immense talent and upside uh, and, and even if they don't factor into being able to play right away, um, you don't hesitate to pull the trigger and take those players. So uh, and I don't think the Kings will hesitate to, to pull the trigger and take a player like that should uh, should one be available. Yeah, like I've talked to, I've had plenty of conversations within the walls and a lot of their draft strategy is they like to draft what they know, not what they can predict. They like to know. Like, so that's why a guy like when Trace Jackson Davis comes in, you're like, okay, 20 points, 10 rebounds, can't shoot the three or didn't shoot the three uh, and 2.9 blocks per game and good assist numbers too. You're like, okay, you can see how he, you see his productivity um, and he's an older prospect, like 23 plus, uh, and you know, the lineage is Dale Davis's son. Um, so you have all of these things that kind of like make you intrigued by him. Um, but also I, like if he was available, like 38, I'm sure the Kings would be at least moderately interested. Like who knows, like where they place him on their board. Um, I talked to Jerry about this too. I, because you know, Jerry was of course a GM for the Kings. He actually in 1990 had the four player, four first round picks, uh, where he took Lionel Simmons, Travis Mays, Dwayne Coswell, and Anthony Bonner. And kind of kind of interesting because he had number seven, number 14, number 18, and number 23 in the draft. And it's like, how do you approach those? And he said, it's way easier to draft later than it is up high. Because then you're just like, okay, I'm just going to go with who I think is the best player. Uh, where up high, you got to consider so many of these other things like potential and you know really kind of dig in and, and figure everything out. So... Um, yeah, anyway, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Maybe we will get 
uh, more information as time goes on. Maybe we'll get um, more of these players that we know came through Sacramento. But for the second year in the row, the Kings have decided to keep it pretty tight lipped and keep media out of their uh, out of their draft process, which is, I mean, it's their prerogative, I guess, at this point. But uh, still, it's one of those things where you're missing an opportunity to kind of have fans engaged all summer long, in my opinion. Um, okay, uh, what else do we got? Uh, I think we're going to do... Um, the business of basketball. Look at that. Uh, yeah, let's do the business of basketball. Um, are the Kings, like uh, just sort of a pie in the sky question, are are the Kings rising at the right time? Um, we're seeing, you know, chaos with teams like Phoenix uh, switching head coaches. We're seeing, you know, the injury issues of teams like the Clippers. Uh, we're seeing the beyond chaos situation with the, with the um, Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, like teams are getting old, teams are falling off. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and what's going to happen in LA? Even you know they make it to the the Western Conference Finals, but as a seven seed and as a playing team, uh, you know the we don't know what's going to happen with a team like Portland Trailblazers. Are they they going to blow up? It feels like the Kings might have found like a moment in time where you could actually jump ahead of where maybe you should have been because some of the teams that are around you are deciding to to fall back a little bit. Am I way off base with this, or where are you guys at with this this idea? Sean? Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I don't think that... I, I don't think that that's too surprising. Um, look, nothing lasts forever, and, you know, we can just look down the road at the Warriors, right? Uh, the Bob Myers that's thing the team becomes... I miss. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing that... Well, I mean, you mentioned getting older, but certainly that's happening there, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's something that I've been talking about for the greater part of a few months that didn't think he'd be back. Um, I, I don't think that again, the, the, I don't think they're going to blow it up. I think they're going to want to remain competitive and we'll see what happens. But the, the current iteration that you know of this warriors dynasty will look different. Um, and this is the biggest piece to me that, uh, that will signify that. So I think it's just by design, like the Kings, can read the tea leaves. They see everyone's rosters. They know everyone's cap structure. They know everyone's age. They know everyone's, you know, what, what the, what the style of play that they are. And and they know what's coming up the coming down the pipe and people that are going down into the sunset and they've positioned themselves well to be able to compete with a team that is stepping into their prime for the most part. And, uh, if they can... sandbagged for 16 years waiting for this <laughs> moment, one not, moment in time, <laughs> certainly, certainly not 16 years, but you could imagine even when Vladi Divac was the general manager, he says, well, that's not going to last forever. I'm going to get my own super team just young, as he said, which was just a foolish thing to say, but he was just trying to be lighthearted and fun. fun uh, yeah. But, but certainly this new regime gets in here with Monty McNair and Wes Wilcox and they look at what they have and it's like, okay, well, how do you, you either go young? How do you build around it? How do you, you need to, the franchise altering move that the, the move that they made was Demonis Sabonis and showing mm -hmm. that they were going to mean business. And here he is stepping into a season that might have some question, you know, about what lies ahead. So um, it, it, I think that you, you have the potential of rising at the right time, but if you lose Sabonis uh, and, and, 
don't have the the proper roster structure to be able to replace him or the the plan to be able to keep him replace him get better however that looks uh you could be treading some water and being in that position that really no team wants to be and that's being around the eighth seed because you know i still feel like the nba is a very uh it's rich man poor man you're either going to be really terrible or really good you don't want to be in that in between the Kings wanted to kill to be in the in-between because that was success to them because they've been on the bottom end of things for so long that they wanted to show some progress. You've shown that progress. Uh, you weren't just a middle-of-the-road team. You got up to third this year, and that 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 is not a fool's gold thing. I mean, that's a, a huge accomplishment. So to be able to um, build upon the success that you had last year and step into this, this offseason and make – proper adjustments and not just tread water uh that's the expectation and the expectation is to go out there and maybe not have more than 48 wins but you want to show progress that's why i said a few weeks ago that you can go out there be a 42 45 win team possibly be better than you were this year and position yourself to be able to make a a sustained playoff run Uh, and i think that would be more successful than the year that you had this year so um if they can if they can do that I think that they, I agree with you, James. I think, especially if they are able to keep Sabonis, I think they will be able to be that team that's able to seize the opportunity and and, uh, make the most of it. I think having your lead of the front office and coaching staff locked in is just extremely helpful going into an offseason. You can extend all of your effort on improving the team rather than after worrying about filling those voids. You already know the general direction you want to move in. And I think just working together as a unit um, should just make things easier this offseason compared to what Sacramento's used to in years prior. Um, and I, I was just on a different podcast that asked me, like, what's worst case scenario for this offseason? And there's really not a horrible scenario. It's like losing HB and not being able to find another guy that can fill into that starting spot, which would suck. But the Kings have a majority of their core locked in. And they're pretty young. You know, De'Aaron Fox is, is here. DeMontis Sabonis, I guess it is just one more year, as, as Sean was talking about there. But he's locked into this next year. Keegan Murray, um, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, these guys are back. And those are the guys that are playing the heavy loads of your minutes. So um, I, I think that they're in a good spot to continue going up from here and, and sort of take advantage of the chaos that's going on in the Western Conference. But while they do need to figure out another guy and and maybe could – if need be like play with those pick restrictions with Atlanta or remove those and try to package picks and go get another guy. I that's a route of improvement, but I think the most likely one is, is just hoping that you get some internal improvement from some of these guys that Fox and Sabonis are still young, that they can take a, um, a slight jump in their games that Keegan Murray can continue to develop Davion Mitchell. Like can either of Kevin Herter or Malik Monk add something to their game. So I think they're in a good spot having their, uh, leadership locked in and a lot of their young core to just continue building from here. Yeah. Maintain and improve. That is what Monty said. Right. And I, you know, Brennan, you bring up something that I think we kind of miss like the, the whole idea that you're, you're solid at your, at your management and head coaching position last summer going through a coaching change, not only a coaching change, but a coach that, coach deep into June and won an NBA championship with the Warriors. So he wasn't part of the draft process. He wasn't part of the workouts and, 
and you know the whole game plan for free agency and everything else he just wasn't and when he got here he, as soon as he hit the ground he had to build a staff and he had to start you know doing the other things like to get the team rolling um and then you know the fact that like two years before that you know monty's gone uh, you know, even the year before that, you knew that Luke was on very shaky ground going into the season. So I, I think that is big because now you're building something. You're not rebuilding something, which is something that the Kings are always doing. They're always rebuilding and starting from scratch and, and starting with a new identity or searching for their culture. I think they have a culture. I think they can build on their culture. And I think that uh, you're right. They could probably withstand even losing Harrison Barnes as long as you find some other guy around the league that might not be as good that fits, but might fit your team better. And so I think it's an interesting, uh, you know, moment in time for the Kings because I could easily see them, you know, being a, a two, three, four, five, like for the next couple of years in, in the Western conference, even though the Western conference is really, really good. I'm not going to say they're going to be the one seed um, because, you know, teams like Denver and there are some other teams out there that I think are, are really solid and still have their base, but the Kings are, are one of the few teams who aren't going through chaos and have potential to improve and have potential to bring in players that actually are meaningful and fit their system um, where other teams are, you know, again, still in the full fledged coaching search and everything else that's happening right now. So yeah, kind of interesting. Um, all right, let's, let's close out, Sean. What the hell were you doing at the zoo with Domas? Checking out the giraffes and the new baby orangutan. No, uh, we, so uh Damanis Sabonis is finding ways to get into the community and you guys know uh I think if anyone follows my work over the past two decades like I like to f I like to really get in the community uh and sh and bring light shed light on those stories that that are out there when when people get into the community especially these Kings players because uh Sacramento's a lot different man fans love to know their players on the court and off and and really kind of know the ones that are making a difference. Uh, and Demonis is a, is a new, newer father. Uh, it's a role he's playing that, that he's absolutely embracing. Um, and he had partnered with Jennifer Siebel Newsom in the first five or first five California. Uh, and they went out to the zoo and had an event to bring, you know, attention to adverse child childhood experiences that, that possibly cause toxic stress and uh really among young young children so uh Demonis got up there in this event and he was able to speak in front of a, a big group of people even a little bit of spanish as we've kind of known to <laughs> that he's, he's able to do and uh it, it's kind of funny because sometimes you'll see politicians especially who you know have huge busy schedules that make an appearance and have to and have to dip um, same thing with some athletes sometimes but domas stayed there for the whole thing listened to the whole panel he was engaged um, locked in, um, and it, was really able to, uh, he's learning more about it and says, you know, anything that, that first five California needs, he's going to be, he's going to be there and be a part of, um, and it's something he's identified, he's passionate about, and it, it stems from him being a brand new father. So, um, yeah, it was at the zoo. He's got tiger who, uh, is his son and he was able to kind of take him to go see the giraffes and, and uh, some of the other things, it, but it was just kind of cool seeing some people, you know, walking through the zoo and look up and go, Oh shit, that's Demonis Sabonis. And <laughs> he's just, he's out there by himself. And I hadn't been to the zoo in a long time. So that was kind of fun for me. Uh, and you know, I, I'll drive down, you know, Sutterville every now and then you can see the giraffes, uh, 
their their necks their heads hanging over the fence eating the trees over there and that's always kind of a fun visual but uh yeah got to spend the spend a day at the zoo with domas there was some basketball conversation um you know i was looking at his hand shook his hand it's not wrapped it looks good um i asked him if if surgery has been ruled out not yet it hasn't been determined yet because they're still seeing how the 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 rehab goes and and that's Mm. kind of the holdup so uh he'll be reevaluated soon and and whether or not they'll like what they're seeing or or you know maybe maybe they'll have to do some sort of operation but it hasn't been totally uh taken off the table yet and i think that's what's kind of holding up FIBA a little bit as well so um it's it all has to do with what what the hand is doing but he says it feels great um and uh yeah it was it was unfortunate not to see him out of bottle rock but we were able to be there with this and it was a lot of fun. So we'll have that. We'll have that. Uh, I hope I'll have the whole interview up at some point, but it's most of it is talking about the program that he's with. And if you, anyone uh, wants to check it out, it's uh, first five California, go check it out. Sweet. Uh, and then we, the other piece we have, uh, Brendan wrote a really nice uh, long piece on Sasha Vizenkov, um over at the Kings Herald. Uh, and you were able to get Chima Moneki to chat with you um brendan tell us about that uh what you got over at the the king's herald i did yeah chima just played against sasha in the euroleague semifinals um and just talked to me a tiny bit about kind of going up against him and how he thinks he could possibly translate to the nba specifically alongside fox and sabonis and um just watching more olympiacos like they're offense is is amazing it's just so like ball and player movement it's very similar to sacramento's they have a passing big um obviously not the same extent as domas but even just somebody that's slightly capable like a lot of the actions look really similar um there's one clip in here that i was happy with how it came out of kind of just putting uh king's action and then right after a action of sasha doing something similar in um in his team with olympiacos and just kind of saying why I think there's a really good offensive translation there for, for Sasha and why I think it could be um, fairly seamless. Yeah. I mean, I think right away you can see his three point shooting is not going to be an issue. He gets it off so quick. And I think the other, like he's going to have even more space at the NBA level. And so that's, that's great. I think he'll be able to do that. And the other thing he does that I love is all the back cuts. I think him and Domas are really going to play off each other really well. I think it's going to be fun to watch. So uh, defensively, I'm very concerned. uh, And I have no idea what position he's going to play on the defensive end. Like he's physical and he can rebound a little bit, but um, you know, like this is, that's not the NBA. Uh, The only thing I I think we keep hearing, like maybe like a four to $5 million offer that might be the range that he's in. And like barring something crazy, I think that that would actually be a pretty good deal for the Kings. Uh, Cause I just keep coming back to the fact that I don't think that they're like coming into the league. I think he's going to be as good or better than Davis Bertons and uh, Davis is paying, making like 17 or $18 million a year. So you're getting a stretch four, which is, you know, something that every team in the league needs and wants, uh, but you're probably getting him at a really good budget rate as he's entering his prime. And so, you know, if he, if he fits, he fits. If not, um, I'm sure he'll find his way back to Europe and find success just like uh, our good old friend, Nemanja Bielica. Um, Okay, do we have any final thoughts? Um, I don't know. Sean, what do you got? 
I watched, uh, I know there's a lot of prestige, what I like to call prestige TV that ended series that ended, uh, this past week, like, you know, succession and, and Barry and, uh, um, and, and Ted Lasso. Um, but don't spoil I, any Ted Lasso. I'm not going to spoil any, I'm not spoiling none of them. I'm, what I'm saying is I need to, I need to watch the final season of Ted Lasso. I wasn't, I wasn't all that thrilled with the, the season before that. So that's kind of why I was a little bit late to the party this season that, and there's just been a lot of work in basketball going on, but um, I haven't seen a lick of succession. And fortunately I haven't had any of it spoiled for me. Um, I've been able to navigate, you know, and not have it, but I'm going to start that. I think, uh, I think this, uh, this in the next week or so, but I did watch Barry love Barry um, was a big fan of that, that, that show. I love how, silly and crazy and that it could be but also you know wonderfully acted beautifully written beautifully shot uh bill Hader is one talented son of a bitch so he is uh, if you haven't seen barry and you like kind of a wild ride go go check it out brennan what do you got for us i don't have anything today i have basketball thoughts but i won't share any basketball thoughts no there's nothing going on up here sean no, uh, do you have basketball space. thoughts what kind of basketball <laughs> thoughts uh like randomly today and and kind of looking at like movement shooters and stuff in the draft like just a thought that you know i mean herder and monk are on this team um but it couldn't it, it that could change pretty quickly malik has one year left you won't have his bird rights and with if harrison barnes is not there your matching salaries you're talking about in trades, your best one probably becomes Kevin Herter, unless you're talking about Rashawn Holmes. Um, but just, you know, thinking that uh, don't be scared of movement shooters just because you have some, because these guys aren't super long-term necessarily. They're not guaranteed to be long-term. Hmm. Okay. Malik Monk, it will have, they'll have his early bird rights. So, and early bird rights at that point will be like 12 to 13 million bucks a year. Gotcha. Uh, like starting salaries. So um, I still think like if he loves it here, he loves it here. I, maybe there's a team out there that wants to pay him 18 million bucks a year, but I don't think so. Um, you know, uh, teams are, are capped a little bit with how much they can spend right now. Uh, there just isn't a lot of cap space out there. And so you're looking at mid-level exceptions and, biannual exceptions and then you know can he get bigger money than he can in sacramento maybe a little bit but i'm not sure maybe i'm crazy maybe someone throws a whole bunch of money at him but um i think playing here with his buddy actually means a lot to him but i also agree with you that when you start talking about trades and like how big of a swing do you want to take it there's a possibility you have to cut into the core and some of that stuff is is sitting right there for you so yeah good thought um, let me see last thoughts for me. Um, once again, I'm just going to keep, I think I'm going to make this like a PSA and every single one of these podcasts do not go swimming in the river. Do not go in the river. And I know that seems really weird, but, um, find a lake, find something, another body of water. Um, I know I just heard that Truckee is shutting down that whole entire thing where you float down the river. Um, Sean, have you ever done that? The float down the river on tubes in Truckee? Not in Truckee. I've done it in American River, and I've done it in uh, yeah, uh, just in the Sacramento region. But yeah, not. And again, I grew up in this town. Yeah, that current is. I don't care how good of a swimmer you are. That current is crazy. There's so much, so much debris and stuff down there that like yeah. it's uh, 
it's 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 pretty wild and life jackets life jackets life jackets yeah even like the uh the trucky thing they've shut down for the season they're not going to have the floating down the river thing from what i've heard uh, just because they know how dangerous it is this year so stay out of the river uh just give me a call you can come up and hang out at the lake uh if you don't have my number you can't come hang out at the lake but it, i was gonna make a bad joke but no. It's not, not hard to find. <laughs> there it is. Uh, well, my number's not that hard to find. Nice. No. Sweet. I did it to another media member about bathroom stalls at one point. That was... Oh, <laughs> yeah, so I remember who that was. Exactly. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. He was a good sport about it. He was. He was. Um, sweet. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat podcast. We will be back next week with another... Uh, podcast with me sean and brendan uh we will also be back next thursday we're going to do a happy hour from 5 30 to 7 30 ish uh that is june 8th finals um, aren't that day are they no the finals okay, are good. wednesday nope That's good. so yeah and i mean there's nothing else going on especially if you're an a's fan uh or, or a giants fan for that matter too <laughs> like hey, they're there back ain't, at 500 eh, whatever there ain't nothing going on they had won um, so, like four straight series until they go. lost the Pirates, two or three of the Pirates. So There you go. Yeah, so um, make sure to uh, jump on board with the King's Beat. Uh, subscribe to the show here. Give us a thumbs up if you're still watching uh, on YouTube and uh, jump on board with the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com, become a premium subscriber to get an invite to the happy hour. I'll announce the guest as soon as I have it locked up, but uh, I think it'll probably be in the next day or two. And that should be fun. Uh, so cool. Um, I think that's it. So thanks for joining us here on the King's Beat Podcast for Box 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse Podcast. I am James Hamby, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. See you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.